From the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster we present Let the Bible Speak. It's good to have you join us today as we spend time around the Word of God, preaching Christ in all His fullness to men and women in all their need. Welcome everyone to this program. We're delighted to have you join with us. We trust it as we meet together around the Word of God and consider the things of God for a little time that the Lord will speak to our hearts, that the Lord will bless us and minister unto us of His grace and mercy. I want to read God's Word just now and our scripture readings taken from the book of the Acts chapter 14 and we're going to read from verse 8. So it's Acts chapter 14, verse 8. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaniah, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. 
And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Amen. We'll end our reading at verse 18. We trust that the Lord will bless his word to all of our hearts. We'll bow together just briefly in a word of prayer, please. Our gracious and our eternal and blessed Father in heaven, we come into thy presence in the holy and precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee indeed that thou art a God who is approachable as we come to thee upon the ground and the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for him who is the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And we approach thee, O God, in his holy name and upon his finished work, acknowledging man's own weakness and inability and sinfulness, and yet rejoicing that the Lord has given us a Savior and a Redeemer and a Mediator. And we thank thee, therefore, for thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that as we meet together around the Word of God and in the things of God, that thou wilt speak to our hearts, that the Lord in his grace and mercy will come in grace and visit us indeed. May the power of God rest upon the ministry of God's word and may the hearts of many be open to receive that engrafted word that is able to save the soul. And so we ask these things in the precious and holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The text I would like to leave with you is found in Acts chapter 14 and the verse 8. And there the word of God says, There sat a certain man at Lystra. These words bring to our attention an unknown individual. A man without a name, a man without any record as far as his background is concerned, an individual with no biblical clue as to his personality, his stature, or his build. He's just an anonymous individual sitting by the side of an anonymous street in this anonymous town of Lystra in Asia Minor. That town is now nothing more than a few historical ruins in the modern-day country of Turkey. But at this time that we have read of, this individual sits 
The word used to indicate him sitting in the original language carries with it the idea of perseverance or steadfastness. It may well indicate that in all probability, this individual was present at this same spot every single day because this man had a problem, a serious problem, a serious physical problem. The Bible describes him as a cripple, one who had never walked. Therefore, in all likelihood, he was a beggar. Because in those days, without a welfare state, there was very little else that a man in this condition could do. And so this phrase, there sat a certain man at Lystra, conveys the idea of a man, as we would say, just putting in his time. He has no prospects for a successful and meaningful life. There's no likelihood of him ever making anything of himself. He has no real hope for the future. He's just putting in whatever little time he had left in life before being buried probably in some pauper's grave. And that really is all that he had to look forward to until the day that we've read of in our scripture reading. Because it was then that he heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on hearing the words of the apostle Paul, this individual realized that Christ was the one, the only one who could cure him of his problem and give to him the sort of new life that previously he could only dream about. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments concerning this individual, the certain man of Lystra. And firstly, if you consider with me what the Bible has to say concerning him, you will read of a person suffering with a disability. Because Acts 14 and the verse 8 describes him as being impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. Persons with disability can become disabled in various ways, perhaps by means of an accident, as a result of a disease or an ongoing condition, as a consequence of the actions of someone else, for example, at the hands of a terrorist or a violent individual. But this man was born this way. The Bible tells us that he was a cripple from his mother's womb. That disability that he was born with didn't make him any less of a person or less valuable member of society than anyone else. It didn't mean that he could be ill-treated or looked down upon. No, he ought to have had every bit as much esteem and high regard as anyone else in that town of Lystra. But perhaps as far as many were concerned, that wasn't the case. I'm thinking about this man. I wondered then, did he suffer prejudice in those days? Were there those who taunted him and judged him unfairly just because of his physical condition? Maybe so. But I want you to consider with me that the Apostle Paul didn't belittle him or ignore him. Rather, the opposite is the case. Paul desired to help him. And Paul desired to see him healed and cured. You whom I address uh, tonight, 
may be a person of disability. Perhaps you have often asked yourself, if that's the case, why have I been so created or why has this condition befallen me? But the answer is that no one really knows why. Because the ways of God who created us all are often mysterious to you and me. The Lord Jesus said in John 13 and the verse 7, What thou doest now thou knowest not. If a man had never sinned, there would be no sickness, no illness, no disability of any kind in the world. But by the Lord's permission, some fall sick. In his mysterious will, there are those who suffer disability. And these things are beyond our grasp and our understanding as to why. You may think of your Self, at times, perhaps I must be a terrible person to have this disability befall me, but that's not the case. John chapter 9 and the verse 2 tells us of an occasion where Christ and his disciples come across a blind man. And the Lord's disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And the Lord answered in the following verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. The Savior's reply did not mean that either the man or his parents were sinless. Rather, it meant that they were guilty of no sin that had caused the blindness. Because you must understand that what we regard as bad things do not happen to us in correspondence to the number of sins that we commit or the depths of that sin. Rather, these things come upon us that we look upon as being those that are ill to us or bring upon us a great deal of difficulty or pain or trouble perhaps. These things are permitted to come upon us in accordance with the mysterious and permissive will of God. And so if you're a person of disability, listening to me on this occasion, don't think that you are somehow worse than another person who has no such disability. That's not the case at all. Indeed, if you think about this individual in Lystra, the Lord demonstrated to this man that he was a precious soul indeed in God's sight. And the Lord demonstrated this preciousness by giving him life in the first place, by preserving that life to that hour when he met the apostle Paul, by permitting him to hear Paul preach the word of God, by speaking to his heart, by performing a miracle of healing that cured him of his affliction by in all probability also saving this man's soul. Because you see, the Lord tells us in Psalm 145 and the verse 9 that the Lord is good to all. And that goodness is demonstrated to you and I in so many different ways. And therefore we see and we are confronted firstly with this person suffering from a disability in this passage before us. I might also highlight to you the picture portrayed in this disability. Because in the Bible, a spiritual relationship between a person and the Lord is from time to time portrayed as them walking with God. 
We read in Genesis 5, verse 24, that Enoch walked with God. In Genesis 6 and 9, the same can be said of Noah. He walked with God. When we come to the New Testament, the simile continues. In 1 John chapter 1 and the verse 7, for example, the Bible speaks of God's people walking in the light. While in 3 John verse 4, reference is made to the children of God walking in truth. And so this theme of the people of God walking with the Lord is to be viewed along the lines of a parable. It is an earthly comment that suggests something spiritual and heavenly as far as a person's relationship with God the Lord is concerned. The other side of the metaphor then is that a person who does not have a relationship with the Lord is not walking with God and is to the natural mind and thought unable to walk with God. Therefore, spiritually speaking, they are immobile, we might say. They are incapacitated in some way. They have a physical disability, which means that they cannot walk with God as far as the spiritual is concerned. Romans chapter 5 and the verse 6 puts it like this by saying, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That phrase without strength really means to be weak or sick. It could even be translated as spiritually impotent. And what the Holy Ghost is there teaching is that he is taking this trait of physical weakness and he is applying it to the spiritual. And therefore, in biblical terms, to be impotent, to have a physical disability, which means the individual cannot walk, is to be viewed in type and in picture of the person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They do not walk with God. They live for themselves and for the pleasures of sin. They break God's holy law and commandments with impunity. In that sense, they are called the ungodly there in Romans chapter 5 and the verse 6. And they are termed as ungodly because they do not walk with God. They do not serve and follow the Lord. They do not acknowledge God as their creator, their sustainer, and their Lord. And I might be speaking to someone in such a spiritual state. You perhaps live for yourself without thought of God. You have broken God's law time without number. You are a sinner in God's sight in that you are guilty of sin. That is the breaking of that holy law of God. And such a contravention of God's law brings the wrath of God upon you and will keep you out of heaven after death. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and the verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. Society is at a loss as to why we all must die. But the Bible tells us why we all will die and why we must die. It's because of sin. But death as a consequence of sin not only includes physical death, it also comprises what is called eternal death. And eternal death is described in Scripture as hell, that real, literal, everlasting place of 
punishment. You must understand that God must judge sin. His holy nature requires him to do so. And this hell that I have mentioned to you is the place where ultimately the sin of the individual is punished. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20 that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. In other words, that individual who sins will be consigned to the place, this place of endless punishment. God's holiness demands such punishment. God's justice ensures such punishment. God's power will effect such punishment. And if that was the end of the story, as far as man was concerned, how desperate it would be for you and me who are sinners. But thank God it's possible to have a happy ending in life. That's how it was for this individual, as far as the physical was concerned, as highlighted in God's word. This man from Lystra, suffering from a disability, in that disability, there was a picture portrayed. He is a picture of the individual without Christ, unable to walk with God. But we are shown here also the healing of his disability. This man required a miracle. All his life he had been a person of disability from his mother's womb. That condition wasn't improving. He wasn't getting better. Indeed, if anything, he was in all likelihood deteriorating and getting worse. To add to the seriousness of his situation, there was no cure for him, humanly speaking. There wasn't some miraculous cure on the horizon, some pill, some course of treatment that he could take, some drug on the market that would cure him of this disability. No, it was a hopeless case indeed. Until the Lord stepped in. The Apostle Paul played a part in this man's healing, but he was merely the instrument through whom the Lord worked. And Paul was anxious to ensure that this man and the people of Lystra knew that this healing wasn't from Paul's hands. Whenever the people wanted to worship him and Barnabas and call them gods, Paul refused all their advances. In verse 15 of Acts chapter 14, he highlighted that this miracle of healing was all down to the, the living God. You see, the Lord cared for this man. He might have been despised by many. Maybe no one else really cared for him. But he was loved by the Lord. And in this passage, Paul proves the love of God to men and women by saying to the people in verse 17, speaking of the Lord, nevertheless he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. There's one of the proofs that the Lord loves you. You look around at all the good that he has provided for you, rain and sun from heaven. Food on your table, fruitful seasons, gladness in your heart. These are evidences of the existence of God. Do you think that this old world came into being on its own and exists by its own power? Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible tells us in Psalm 19 and the verse 1 that the heavens declare the glory of God. And therefore, every good gift around you is a demonstration 
of the fact that there is a God in heaven, a God of love, a God of concern, a God who knows you as an individual and deals with you personally. And that's what the Lord did for this man. He healed him of his paralysis. He caused him to walk. And again, the picture is illustrative of this spiritual because as the Lord took away this man's paralysis, so he can remove the consequences of sin for you. You see, Christ bore man's sin upon the cross of Calvary. That's why he came to this earth. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he lived the perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, he died to pay the price of man's sin and to suffer the penalty of man having broken the law of God. Christ himself was and is sinless, but he became man's substitute. And he took upon man's sin, the sin of his people upon himself, and he laid down his life in order to pay the price of that sin. I said a little earlier that the wages of sin is death. But thank God, the gift of God is eternal life. What therefore are you to do if the Lord has spoken to your heart? Remember that God loves you. Remember that Christ died upon the cross to save individuals from the punishment of their sin. And in the gospel he offers to people like you and me, wonderful salvation. Repent of your sin. Tell the Lord in prayer that you are sorry for your sin. Believe in your heart that Christ died for you and paid the full sacrifice required to God for sin and for sinners. And ask the Lord to save you. Thank God he will. For he is gracious and he is good. And he is able to save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. May you call today. Lift your heart wherever you are, just at this moment in time. Acknowledge that you have broken God's law. But thank God Christ has died to pay the price of man's sin. Call upon him this day for Jesus' sake. And then you shall begin to walk with God. For Christ saves sinners. He gives them a new walk a new life. He changes them entirely and makes them new creatures in Christ. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. We'll bow together in prayer. Eternal God and everlasting Father in heaven, we bow before thee in Jesus' precious name and we pray that thou wilt write the truths of thy word upon every heart. We thank thee that Christ receiveth sinful men. We bless thee, O God, that Christ is able to save the worst of individuals and the best of people. Lord, we pray that thou wilt so work in hearts that there will be those who will receive him by faith even at this moment in time. We ask these, our prayers, in Christ's holy and worthy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for spending some time with us today around the Word of God. 
For further information, visit our website at ltbs.tv. We look forward to joining with you next time as we seek to let the Bible speak once again.